Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, gatekeeping absolutely no comics and encouraging new and old fans alike to enjoy, interpret them however the hell they see fit since 2021. I am Mike, and for starters, I am going to introduce my amazing co-host, Zach, who will then roll out the red carpet to a guest our Mob Squad loyalists will know well. Oh, right. I, I, I was wondering when you were going to introduce me, but I guess because you've already said my name while you were going to introduce me, that counts. Hi, Mom Squad. It's me, Zach. And as Mike was saying, we do have a fantastic guest. And although Mike said I'm going to introduce him, I'm not. I'm going to leave it up to himself. Please introduce yourself to the Mom Squad. Ah, uh, mystery guest signing in. This is Stu from the Stu World Order podcast and SWO Productions. And boy, I, I can't believe the first time I was on your show, I didn't think to pick this issue. It's it's the most stereotypical thing. Anybody who follows my site, my podcast, me on Twitter, if, if you ever imagined what comic book Stu would want to talk about, this is so obviously it, right? How did I not <laughs> think of this the first time? And this is why you're our first repeat guest on the Multiverse of Badness, because you've bullied us into coming back on to talk about this book. <laughs> well, also, I want to thank Stu for telling us what he does over the Stu World Order, because I believe last episode we just ran right in and I didn't give <laughs> Stu a platform to explain that he runs an entire podcasting network and has a whole bunch of WordPress bullshit. The man is a psychopath when it comes to material, so go check out his website, go check out his podcast and have a good time with that. However, we do have to move forward with this podcast and this issue, which is going to take us all the way back to May of 1989 when Mike was a senior in high school. It is X-Men number 244, and this is the first appearance of, who is it, Stu? Uh, obviously my favorite character of all time, the M-Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, the, the lovable, adorable M-Squad, the Aldi off-brand Ghostbusters, yes. but I don't believe that whoa, that's who whoa. you're talking about. Hold the phone. You have Aldi in America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. No way. That's amazing. I love Aldi. <laughs> oh, I thought, I didn't know you had Aldi. That's great. Oh, yeah, we have yeah. Aldi. Do you, do you guys have Lidl? No. I don't know of that. No. Ah, Lidl is basically the same shop as Aldi. They just have different names. It's it's I, I haven't got my head around it yet. No. It's kind of like the difference between Hardee's and Carl's Jr. over here, except that instead of serving greasy fast food, I'm sure they serve things that are actually remotely healthy and at least affordable. But Jubilee is on the card for today. Much to Stu's delight, because this is obviously his favorite character. And we're just going to jump right into what's going on here. We start out at the Hollywood Mall with a girl that's literally just performing magical light tricks to the crowd at the Tiffany Circa era, I think we're alone now tour, and she's got a crowd <laughs> around her, but the cops are not pleased with her monkey shines, too. What's your feelings towards these bastard-ass security detail cops? They are so irrationally upset about this. Like, okay, we, we find out that she does actually live in the mall, and I love... <laughs> She lives in the I mall. I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's what the first thing is like. You you read this. She's right there on page two, and it's no pink sunglasses, no yellow overcoat. Like, that all came later. I'm not even sure if that's something Jim Lee ended up giving her whenever he took over. But with the Sylvester book here, she's, she's wearing some weird-ass smiley face t-shirt and just like a denim jacket and skirt. It's like, oh, it's the 80s. It's so wonderfully 80s. <laughs> And yeah, you have these cops that are just so bad because she lives in the mall and she's entertaining people. But I mean, 
It's not all the cops. It is specifically Lou. Lou. Lou is really, really anti-Jubilee. Like, we thought the Punisher was anti-Jubilee when he shot him. No, no, Lou is ten times worse. And in all fairness, his colleagues are like, you need to calm down. It's just a kid. And he's like, fuck you and fuck your family. I'm taking this kid out. But they get progressively angrier throughout the issue, though, because at first, yeah, it's just Lou. Lou's like, I'm sick of this shit. And, the other, and, and Billy's the other cop like, ah, maybe tone it down a bit. But as you go through the issue, they all get super mad at her. I was going to say, I do love how they just like joke with Lou and they're like, why don't you just shoot her, Lou? <laughs> because as we learned last week, they haven't done enough to warrant gunplay. <laughs> <laughs> Even in America, mind you. Even in America. Now, I like it when the cops initially start chasing Jubilee. We call them cops. They're more security. We have, like, jazz on a mat up here. When <laughs> Jubilee <laughs> blasts her light at the uh, the render cops, we have a poppity pop pop pat, <laughs> which is a powerful on a mat up here. Oh, well, fortunately for us, Jubilee gets away, much to the chagrin of our fake mall police. However, they have an idea, and thankfully, they didn't happen to have a poster of the Punisher because Jubilee's ass probably would have ended up dead. They have a poster of Stu's second favorite. It is the M Squad. Yeah, I like the panel right before they lo they look at the the poster. Lou is literally hopping mad, like he is hopping mad. He is doing a little frogman for you there. Also, the uh, panel before that, so the one above the M Squad one. What is happening to Jubilee's <laughs> eye? It's kind of slid down her face a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, her right eye. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Also, She's got Toxic Avenger vibes. <laughs> also, with the the movement pattern behind her, like I have no idea what kind of motion she just did. <laughs> Which fucking direction did she just come? Yeah, from? where did she come from there? <laughs> but did we? Can we also talk about how like there are random the page before that there are random mall hooligans who like bust out on skateboards to save her? Like, do they also live in the mall? Where did they? come from i think this mall may be infested with rogue children <laughs> <laughs> well as much as is going on at the mall and i'm going to try to do this even though i hadn't planned on it we're taking to the australian <laughs> outback mate <laughs> oh that was that was good mike i'm proud of you you're, you're pushing your artistic boundaries <laughs> hey you know what hillbilly's gonna hillbilly sometimes now we are presented with a bed being thrown through a window at Rogue's Abode. Dazzler decides she's going to deflect it using Cyclops-style I-beams, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever seen Dazzler pull off. She knocks it into Storm, who ends up going through an open window and lands in Psylocke's bathtub. There's a lot going on for no good fucking reason right now. When Storm is in the bathtub and pokes her head up, she has cat eyes. I don't know what Sylvester was doing there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> didn't clock that. <laughs> Why does she have cat eyes looking at Psylocke there? Why, like, it's so goddamn slapstick and cartoony. Like, it's a, a Rube Goldberg of calamity. <laughs> oh, well, we are finally, we finally discover why Rogue is pitching a fit. Because if you haven't read the comics, she actually has a pretty detailed backstory with Carol Danvers. Don't we and all? <laughs> Don't we all wish? I know Joey from So Wizard Podcast wishes so. <laughs> However, this is comics and not the MCU, Joey. So 
Put it away, son. <laughs> we represent with Rogue. Pissy because the Carol Danvers in her went all extreme makeover style on her place and she's just pissed. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Just break your shit because people moved your bed around. <laughs> and this predates Limp Biscuit as well. So she's got to have got that primal rage from somewhere. <laughs> no chainsaws were used in this. Just simply throwing beds around. You would be pissed though, right? If you woke up one day and someone had just redecorated your entire house. Even if they spent a lot of money on it and did it nicely, you'd still be like, who the fuck gave you the permission to do this? No, I totally disagree. If it looked better than the fucking shit I have around my house, more power to it. Why don't they each get a room? Like, that's the easy, like, Rogue, you decorate this room. Carol, you decorate this room. Everybody's happy. Why are they fighting over the living space? Just split the room completely in half down the middle. <laughs> Put duct tape down the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah, composite Superman style, but we're not presented with that. Everybody's kind of pissed. Everybody's on edge, especially due to this rogue Carol Danvers weird fucking thing that's going on. So Dazzler has a great idea. Well, before we get to the idea, can we mention, like, by this point, this is issue 244, Rogue had been in the X-Men for almost 100 issues at this point. And, like, all of a sudden, 100 issues later, they're like, hey, you're kind of a dick for what you did to Carol. <laughs> You kind of deserve every terrible thing that happens to you. And then Rogue wants to have a temper tantrum and fly away. And it's like, yeah, why are your friends being an asshole? I do like that the, when she's flying away, the first thing she says is, I'm still the renegade runaway bad girl. <laughs> Sticks would be much impressed with that lyricism. However, we are not presented with Sticks. We are presented with the best idea in comic book history when shit is going wrong. The lovely Dazzler. What is her amazing recommendation? Her recommendation is to go to the mall because apparently Chris Claremont was just like, ah, bitches love the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're going to send them. So before we get to the mall, two questions, but more like a two-part question, really. Why are the X-Men hiding out in Australia, and is it extreme enough that they can be teleported to just a random mall to go shopping? I have answers to all that. Have you not read the Australian Outback era of the X-Men? I No, this is genuinely all new to me. I, I, I was never aware that they had to hide in Australia. So at the end of the fall of the mutant storyline, the X-Men sacrificed themselves to stop the adversary. And the adversary's dead, they're dead, and then like the goddess Roma is just like, hey, good job, I'm going to bring you back to life, and you can go into hiding, and the whole world thinks you died, heroes. And also during this era, like, they couldn't be picked up by anything like if you took pictures of them they weren't in it they wouldn't show up on camera or on audio you couldn't invite them onto the podcast and talk it wouldn't record them and so they were just like hiding out in australia for a while like eh, everybody thinks we're heroes clearly this is where you go to kind of quasi retire i guess <laughs> and there was another mutant there named gateway who just like he he had a rock on a, a string that he just spun around and it created portals places I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't call him the convenience. Like, <laughs> given that they're going to call the bad guy the adversary, the laziest <laughs> named villain of all time. <laughs> this guy's called Plot Device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did read a little bit about Gateway, and I'm still a little bit confused about his whole thing. But yeah, his story gets weird after they leave Australia. He has a whole weird thing going on that I don't follow. But yeah, that was just in Australia. He sat there. He never talked. He spun his rock. That was it. <laughs> So shopping it is at the Hollywood Mall, just coincidentally, where our lovely Jubilee loves to live. 
Oddly enough, Cyclops is dressed to up. Live at the mall. <laughs> I think she does. She seems to be having a fucking great time every time I see her in her fucking with Lou. But Psylocke, on the other hand, has decided she's just going to dress like an extra in Little House on the Prairie. I don't know what's going on there. We see the M Squad on one side of the mall. Fortunately, our heroes, our ex gals, are teleported to the other side of the mall, so they haven't quite touched one another yet. But I guarantee it's going to happen. And Dazzler takes them like pretty much straight away to get haircuts and you never look at it or you never think of it until you look at these pictures. But it's like before they get the haircuts, it's what the hell were Storm and Rogue doing with their hair? Like they absolutely needed this. (laughs) Oh, they were really, really into glam metal. (laughs) Like Rogue especially, she's got the short spiky on top, long at the bottom. Like she, that's more like new wave of British heavy metal. Like she was a massive Iron Maiden fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like she played more of the light socket than madness as far as I'm concerned. However... We all know, apparently, Chris Claremont has informed us, bitches love to shop. But you know what they like to do even more than that? They like to go to hot bars and hire male strippers. So, just before we do get to hot bods, and trust me, I am excited to get to hot bods. <laughs> One thing I picked up on the whole, like, let's go shopping montage with the makeup and the haircuts and the outfits is that it's not just Storm. Most of the X-Men bar Dazzler seem to have been so accustomed to being X-Men that they fundamentally don't understand the concept of fashion. They're like, <laughs> what, what is this you're putting on my face? And it's like, so people will look at you. People already look at me. I've got magical fucking powers. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't see him anymore because of the Australian outback here. So who the fuck knows what's going on? I'm confused. And Psylocke <laughs> goes from wearing, like you said, the little house on the prairie outfit to the mall to when she picks out a new outfit, it's like a three inch long leopard print mini dress. <laughs> <laughs> these these are diametrically opposed fashions that she went from to from and to. You have the guy in the shoe store, Al Bundy there, who's like falling in love with them while putting shoes on them. Oh, yeah, he was really, like, i he was one of the few notes I made, is that you've got them trying shoes on, having a conversation, and this fucking sweaty little jerk <laughs> looking at them going, Why me, oh lord? So beautiful. <laughs> so crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking creep. But my favorite panel in this entire comic book is when they first walk into Hot Bods, and everybody's taken aback, and then we get Psylocke going, I've seen better. And then Storm goes, and I far worse. And Dazzler's like, this line cracks me up. I'm going to try to read. Storm, somehow I never quite imagine you doing anything nasty. But I love Psylocke's response to that, too. She's, Allison, she wears skin-tight black leather. It's like, that is true. That is what she's worn the entirety of her creation. This book has given me an aspiration as well. Like, I want to walk into a room where at least five people audibly out loud say, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it that black leather instantly makes her, like, Christina Aguilera level dirty with two R's? I mean, she just likes to look good. And she looks good in black leather. More power to store. Because you don't see gimps in cotton. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, imagine how itchy a cotton gimp mask would be. (laughs) Oh, jeez. It, w- it would just pretty much be like a ski mask, I think. A balaclava with a zip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, from here, of course, 
just more men dancing around. It actually lasts a little longer than I expected. There's, what, three or four panels with the male stripper? Claremont's getting his money's worth. He's like, I want more male stripper in this. <laughs> there are two full pages of them at Hot Bods. Yeah. <laughs> I what like what I didn't like is the fact that Dazzler was like, I'm gonna tip him off. So he will literally just pull Storm on stage and start gyrating on him. <laughs> But then whenever it shows them actually dancing together, they're like 10 feet apart and both just seem to be like, you know, teenage dancing like she's swaying her skirt. (laughs) Well, thankfully for us, these panels are done and we're introduced back to Stu's favorite, Jubilee. And she has stumbled finally across the M-Squad. So are we going to address the fact that the M-Squad is just a goofy-ass Ghostbusters ripoff? Yeah, whenever they show up at the mall, it even says, like, the big station wagon they arrive in is blaring their theme music. <laughs> <laughs> and I like they, like, they even say something like, don't mention what happened in New York as well. Like, they're definitely set up to be some type of uh, Ghostbusters riff-off. But they were the, the comic relief because they were absolutely fucking farcical. They, didn't, they were incapable, incapable of getting the job done. Well, they had that giant thing the mutant (laughs) containment grid that i don't know what that big purple thing is supposed to be i can't visually picture what that is supposed to be in real life but it does also give me i know i was a a big fan of the pippity poppity pippity poop pop poo earlier but i know this one i know where this is going can we just have a moment to appreciate the (laughs) onomatopoeia of the week which is scramble It sounds like a mush you'd grow up with in Swansea. Like, oh, fucking hell, boy, Scrambo's coming. Heidi Wallace. (laughs) So at this point, the M-Squad accidentally blows a hole in the wall of Hot Bods, and we have all of our crew together for the first time. We have Jubilee, we have the X-Gals, we have the M-Squad, and it ends pretty quickly from here, but I'll let Stu tell you how this happens. Storm distracts the mutant containment thing, and then Psylocke, you know, Psylocke, the super strong member of this team, is the one who goes up and pulls Jubilee free from it, while, like, Rogue (laughs) just kind of flies around, and Dazzler just does nothing. Dazzler (laughs) does nothing with her life, like, this entire time. The other ones are doing all the work, and then, yeah, Psylocke in her really weird... uh, zebra dress that she's wearing just pulls jubilee free and then yeah the it ends with like the last page is the cops just yelling at the m squad like what are you doing why did you blow up our mall (laughs) so i think we need to give a nod to the true hero of this book which was when the tussle is kicking off with the x-men and the m squad and there's laser beams are flying as they tend to do in these situations and a giant uh installation i guess gets destroyed and uh debris is falling everywhere (laughs) And you see a little girl and she's like, Billy, my ankle, leave me, go. And he's like, no way, sis, lie flat and let me cover you. He was willing to take the brunt of the debris. He was. That is heroic. It won't do anything. It'll just kill them both. But he just gets to lie on his sister a while beforehand. He must be from Kentucky. <laughs> but no, it was a brave, a brave idea in a stressful situation. So hats off to Billy. You know what I just realized? I've read this comic 800 times in my life. I just realized there are two generic 
one panel characters in this comic named Billy, and they are not the same character. There's <laughs> Billy the little boy who's going to throw himself on top of his sister, and there's Billy the cop who's telling Lou to calm the fuck down. Oh, but what if one is the other from the future? <laughs> <laughs> Like Chris Claremont just looked in a name dictionary and they're just like, that's it. I, I'm not looking any further than this. I got one name. It's fine. Every <laughs> generic male character in this issue is Billy. You know, if it works, you know, Claremont, Claremont's made a whole living out of writing comic books. Who are we to judge? Yeah, yeah. Podcasters, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now the X-Men are going back to the Australian outback, jumping through a portal. But before it closes... Jubilee has made a life decision that she no longer wants to live the mall life. She has no idea where she's going. She's like, I'm going to jump through this portal and become an X-Man. If Lou's going to send these psychopaths after her, who knows what's next? Punisher's next, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to think that this, uh, like, let's get philosophical. If you take one thing out of the food chain, the whole thing collapses, right? So by taking Jubilee out of the mall, the (laughs) skate punks are like, wait a minute, last time we saw Jubilee, Lou was chasing her and she was really angry. They get it in their heads that Lou has done something to Jubilee. So this fucking turf war kicks off between the (laughs) skate punks and the rent-a-cops in the mall. Everything falls apart. It burns to the ground. But Jubilee gets a yellow coat, so... Happy. <laughs> That's what Claremont didn't show us is off panel. The skateboard kids beat Lou to death with their boards. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, Lou probably going to die. Thanks to Jubilee. <laughs> Skate punks in jail, incarcerated for a long period of time. But Jubilee becomes an X-Men. So it all works out for her. So fuck those other guys. Jubilee's off to Australia. <laughs> That's right, Mike. So, to, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm working it. I'm working it. So that being said, I think we are done reviewing our issue. Again, X-Men 244, the introduction and premiere episode of Jubilee. And the M-Squad. Oh, and the M-Squad. <laughs> I actually did a little research, I think, and I could be wrong. The M-Squad may have appeared at least marginally in X-Men 240. I didn't actually go back and read the issue, but I did try to find the first appearance, and they, even though it's got uh, Mr. Sinister and a whole fuck ton of other people in it, it's listed at least on one fan side as the first issue, and I I did about the same amount of research as I always do, which is jack and shit, so I can't verify that, <laughs> but that's what I read, damn it. I did read that the names of the members of the M-Squad, Dr. Martin, Dr. Snodgrass, Dr. Shiner, and Dr. Milan, those surnames are all taken from different writers that Chris Claremont had been working on a uh, collaboration with. They were, they were enshrined forever in X-Men history as the <laughs> M-Squad. But what we did not know is that Chris Claremont actually has not one, but two sons named Billy. George Foreman style. <laughs> and that is who the Billies are named after. That is complete fabrication. But what is not fabrication is where you have to rate this book on something. Stu, you are a veteran of these wars, so I'm going to let you start out. I'm not even going to explain it to you in great detail, but pretty much give it a one to five scale of something that occurred in the book. Uh, It's going to be one to five fresh Genotians, because that's what made Rogue Rogue so mad, is that the the Genotians got fresh with her, we're told. (laughs) So... I can't, I can't do anything unpredictable here. It's the first appearance of my favorite comic book character ever. It's a five. It's a five. It's, I, I don't care about anything. I, I used to own this as a single issue. I no longer do, but I have like 
three different trade paperbacks that have it collected. So <laughs> I didn't even need to to find it online or anything. I just have this comic so many different ways. I've read it so many times. <laughs> I I know what happens in the next issue. It goes into the the men have their own night out. One of the best covers in X-Men history. Jubilee's next appearance is Uncanny X-Men Annual, I want to say 13, which is a crossover of Atlantis Attacks where she has her old her whole own backup story in that <laughs> annual where it's like she lands in Australia and just kind of lives underground for a while. It's so funny, like she goes <laughs> there and she's like obsessed with the X-Men. She goes there and she's too scared to even go talk to them. So she just lives in a cave system underground. Well, it, <laughs> in her defense, that sounds a lot like the way I used to stalk women in high school. Zach, oh. on to you, buddy. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't know if I want to talk to you anymore. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so I'm going to write this book on bloodthirsty skate punks. And I don't want to go for the full five because it... It's got this thing, like it's got that Chris Claremont-ness <laughs> to it, yes. where everything is just so methodically hyper-explained as if it were a fucking textbook, that it can be a drag to read. So, I, But I still really enjoyed it. There was enough stupidity, bath invasions, male strip clubs, the works, that it's got to have a high one. So I'm going to give this four bloodthirsty skate punks. Well, I, much like Zach, am not going to go the full Monty. However, what I am going to do is I'm going to rate it on something adjacent to the full Monty. I'm going to rate it on how many male strippers purchased by Dazzler. And I'm going to actually go with about <laughs> three and a half male strippers. I mean, you know, one guy, three guys that are fully unsheathed and one guy wearing a tight, tight set of underwear. Three and a half. <laughs> Male strippers, purchased by Dazzler. <laughs> purchased by Dazzler from the maitre d'. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Can you send me over three? No, make it three and a half male strippers. Would you like the hot bod special? We've got a two for one. You could get four. No, I just need three and a half. I'm just good. three and a half is so, fine. Like when you get an expensive bottle of wine, they let you have a little uh, taste and a sip first. Do they do that with male strippers as well? <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, I can't answer that question, not being a partaker of male or female strippers for that regard. However, I think we're done rating this. I think we are ready to move on. Anything else you want to do this week, Zach? You've been throwing, you've been trying to shake things up a little bit. Do we just want to move forward and close this? Or do you have an idea? I have an idea, but it's also going to land our friend Stu in uh, the hot seat. So oh, at no. the close of your show, you tend to do a a closing segment. So this week, we want you to take over, and you can lead the end of the show. Oh no, heavens. <laughs> do I need to come up with a talking point for this? All right, so uh, here's the talking point. And uh, obviously I have the answer because uh, one of them's my favorite. Why did the X-Books need Dazzler, Jubilee, and Boom Boom? <laughs> what? <laughs> I want you to tell me what each of them brought to the table. Would Gambit also fit into that uh, very sparkly X-Men category as well? <laughs> he did have the same coat as Jubilee. Just brown. <laughs> Um, honestly, that's a, Mike, do you have any theories on why there are so many goddamn firework-themed X-Men? <laughs> you know, I'm going to guess at least with the Dazzler Jubilee, and this is just a guess. I know they did everything they could to make Dazzler a huge character after investing so heavily in her and her disco. But, I, you know, this is just a guess. I don't have any reason to believe this otherwise. She's just, I don't know, it's like, 
like the entire run, especially in the first meter, she's kind of the hick. She's kind of a, you know, disco dazzler darling. And then she turns into the star. You need something a little more relatable. I mean, in this whole thing, she's driving the whole, let's go to the mall. Let's go buy male strippers. She's just not that relatable to a child. I think Jubilee, especially as, as someone who reads comics, usually younger people, they're going to relate to a younger uh, demographic inside the magazine and Jubilee, and we've seen this actually in Dark Claw. She can be more like <laughs> oh, oh, no. She, no. she's more like in a way the way she progresses, more like Wolverine's Robin, and, the, and so it gives Wolverine a way to kind of soften his edge. It gives kids someone kind of like Robin without all the weird stuff that comes along with Robin. It gives kids someone to relate to. That's what I believe, at least with those two. That's a very eloquent answer and very well thought out. But you also have to remember that this was comic books in the 80s. Uh, so it very well could be that they sat down in a boardroom and went, we need to get more girls reading comics. What are girls like? And they went, I don't know, shiny things? And you get like eight <laughs> characters. <Yeah>. Claremont, <laughs> you know what girls like. What do girls like? The mall and strippers. Okay? <laughs> We're good. Uh, so I think that's a good enough talking point. Do you have an idea, Stu? Do you want to elaborate? I, I I never understood Boom Boom. Like Dazzler, okay, yeah, she came in as a, a disco fit character that they were going to actually make disco albums out of. Jubilee, when she came in, she was the proto-Kitty Pride that was like the new characters in. Boom Boom's the one who always just stuck out to me. It's like, hey, your name is Boom Boom. Which that's is a poo name. <laughs> <laughs> Boom Boom makes Dazzler and Jubilee sound like fucking Superman. Like, they're, they're, that's way better. But it's just like, yeah, wh where do you fit in? And hers, like, counted down, which never made any sense. Like, she'd throw something at someone, count to three, and then it would explode. Like, I don't know what that adds that Dazzler and Jubilee don't have, but sure, Boom Boom, you're fine. <laughs> like, they should have called her Head Start. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we are done. And before we go, Stu, I'm not sure that we told the... Not sure that we told the Mob Squad how to reach you, but I'm going to let you tell them how to reach you on the social medias, websites, et cetera, et cetera. And anything else you want to add about your show or, or anything in general? Anything in general? Well, like Absolutely. Stuff. The doors are <laughs> wide open. <laughs> Before you came on, Zach and I were talking about the health of my cat. No one wants to know about that. But uh, you can follow me at SWO Productions on Twitter. The website is SWOProductions.com where we have new articles every weekday. And the podcast, the Stew World Order podcast, where we review random comic book movies with our guest, of which both of you have been on, or Mike has been on, and Zach will be on in months, because my recording <laughs> schedule is weird. But it's already recorded, it's coming to you. It, like, I really, really, really enjoyed recording that episode, and it sucks that I now have to wait months until I can hear it. <laughs> but it'll be, like, brand new, you'll have forgotten you even did it, it'll come out, you'll be like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> and that's where I found out I incriminated myself. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, Stu, I enjoyed my time with you, but Spawn sucked. We're just going to put that one on a <laughs> shelf. You can reach us on the Twitters at Multiverse of Badge. You can reach us on the TikToks, Facebooks. We don't use a lot of that shit, but it's at Multiverse of Badness. You can also call us, no shit, 1-949-3939-391. Leave us a text message. Wish Stu's cat well. And finally... Per the usual, Zach, can you tell the Mob Squad how they can reach us via email? Just listen to me. This is my plea to you, Mob Squad. If my voice means anything to you, you know, we've 
We've been together for 30 plus weeks now. We're starting to form that bond. You need to understand that you can reach us at multiverseofbadness.com. That's the first email, Budum Tish. You can reach us at bloodthirsty punks trucking low rent mall cops to death, leaving their families uncatered for, <laughs> uh, leading to destitution, uh, poverty, and hard times all around, especially for the children at multiverseofbadness.com. And you can reach us at Stu. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been really, really goddamn fun at multiverseofbadness.com. 100%. And with that said, again, thank you, Stu, from the Stu World Order. I'm actually going to put Zach and his golden voice on the shelf and let Stu tell us that when you are looking for hot male strippers, three and a half, and you're not exactly <laughs> sure where you need to go, you can always find them here at the Multiverse of Badness. That was amazing, but I do feel kind of cheated. <laughs> <laughs>